really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke. My name is Sean Walchef from Cali Comfort Barbecue. I'm here with my man Derek Marceau recording in Spring Valley above the butcher shop. What's up, Derek? Man, doing good. Just uh, trying to get away from this fucking heat wave. Heat wave. Dude, it's been gnarly. It is. Gnarly. Yeah. Fucking having to give complimentary waters out to everyone. All of our customers putting them in the Yetis because, I mean, it was 108 here the other day. East East County, we get no AC, no AC. Just wear it out. Yeah, just wear it. Yeah, yeah. But it's been good, man. It's It's tough with an older building. Yeah, you have a lot of challenges with an older. I couldn't even believe when you told me you didn't have AC. Yeah, we have AC, and it just for the amount of square footage and the building because it was a restaurant that was an add-on to an add-on. It just it's not surprisingly it's not stays, energy efficient. It stays pretty pretty cool. We're looking at those. I don't know if they're called big fucking fans or big have you yeah seen big those? ass fans. Big ass fans. Dude, I love that company. Yeah, so Rad. we're looking at getting one of those inside inside the store, and it's just one you see them like at Costco's and stuff, and um, they push a lot of fucking air and they cool cool your store down by you know like twenty degrees or something. Right. Um, it's a lot more cost efficient than doing the <laughs> AC unit and ducking everything and. You know, like you said, the, the struggles we go through with the 19... This building was built in 1949. Wow. So just all that. I, I'm like, I'll just put a, I'll put a fan in. I yeah. Don't, well, I don't need to try sure. to th- run, put a bunch of compressors up and, uh, you know, but... Well, you know. today is uh, pretty fucking amazing for us, um, for me specifically. You know, growing up in San Diego, um, actually just brought my license plate that I had in high school. NBA... N S D. That's right. That's it, man. Yeah, NBA and SD. You were fucking all in then. I was all in in high school. Jesus Christ. I was all in, all about sports entertainment and all about all. having an NBA team in San Diego. And growing up and going to Bishops, you know, I was starting to read the paper, find out what's going on in sports and entertainment, and this name kept popping up, and it was Ernie Hahn. Ernie Hahn, the Hahn family. And the more that I learned the more that I was impressed at what um, this man was doing and what his family had done for San Diego. And crazy to think that now in 2017, uh, we're here going behind the smoke with Ernie Hahn. What's happening from uh, AEG Valley View Casino Center? Fuck, you are a legend. Thank you for uh, coming down to Spring Valley to join us behind the smoke. Well, thanks for having me. Um I guess a couple comments on that on that intro. <laughs> I, was I was looking at him. I'm like, oh. There's a lot I was just processing. That's and uh, I learned about a big-ass fan that's going to cool down uh, this building built in the 40s, which is awesome. I, first time I've been in this building, so congratulations. I think that's... Thank uh, you. It, it's cool. Uh, complimentary waters. I didn't know that when it got hot, it was your job to provide people with cold water. I, I thought it, it's I, not. I, I, it, yeah, I'm used to like if I go to a place and it's hot, I, I, I buy a fucking water. Right. <laughs> but, but apparently, you guys take it next level so people don't faint. I guess and maybe it got so hot in here that like, hey, here's a water. Yeah, it was it was in the high experience. 70s inside the store, and you know you saw a lot of people. And it, I mean, a case of water has cost me a, a buck or two. Yeah, just, it's nothing. No, it's just it's, it's the right thing. Yeah, it's the right thing to do, and it's one of the reasons you guys have been obviously successful. You got a great product. People love coming here. You're you're in the middle of your community. Yeah. Um, 
And I got to be honest, until I originally when I came out, and I've been in San Diego my whole life, but until I came out and saw Sean, oh, probably a year and a half ago, uh, and we ate for the first time, and I think we had the whatever it is where you order, or like the whole menu the comes. Tailgate. 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 Fucking, fucking yeah, tailgate. That's how we fucking roll. And I left drooling <laughs> after that day at my, at my desk when I got home. Right. Um, the uh, it's I hadn't been in that in this area. I was just driving this area. And I'm like, this is a cool part. Of San Diego, yeah. uh, I, I really like. Cool it. is an interesting way to describe. Well, it. I mean, it's just it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's eclectic. Not, it's it's different. eclectic. It's different. Every bit of San Diego as you go around has its own personality, right? Oh, for sure. It's, it's as dictated by its residents. Its history it has its own kind of code, if you will. And um, I just didn't know this area very well. And I actually, as I drove to the wrong place this morning, got to see some of the back roads and all that. And yeah, I, I like this area. They, all of San Diego will eventually continue to morph and adjust and uh, as the community moves further and further from the core or then comes in and anyways it was uh i like this area obviously the, the store is great that you're in and then sean i just the as i hear that intro and i hear the voicemail <laughs> who who is that voicemail from so that was my former business partner uh not so i opened up cali comfort uh, with Corey, my one of my best friends from college right uh, from colorado and before we opened that we were in a partnership with uh, someone that was running the restaurant just as a breakfast restaurant. Um, but we were going to bring in a liquor license and add a sports bar and add a dinner component. And it only took about six months to realize that you've got to have great partners. And if you don't know the people that you're getting into business with, then things can go incredibly south, incredibly quick. Um, yeah, I think we've all, I mean, you've certainly been there. I've been there. I think we've all been there in, in business. Um, but when I heard that, I understand why you saved it, <laughs> um, and, and in a good way, because those are the kind of things when you play it prior to this, or when you're just having one of those days and you listen to it, um, we all are inspired in what we do. We all love what we do, right? We all do different things. We're going to talk about sports and entertainment today. We'll talk about barbecue. We're already talking about you know, your place here, Derek, and, and but we're passionate about what we do. And you also, when you're running your own business, you know, a big part of it is you are looking to inspire those around you. You have employees, you have uh, friends uh, doing a variety of different things. And it is your job as that proprietor or owner in the end to motivate, engage. I always say find great people that are really good at their job. And we'll go into that a little bit later on because it's kind of a philosophy that I have. Um, but when you hear and you have a voicemail like that, what, what I love about that is very rarely, it's very difficult when you're running your own business, like who is giving you praise from above? Who is sure. helping you through that process? Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to partners, mentors, and others that are on the same level that get what you do. And a lot of times... It gets lonely only in that you put so much time and effort inspiring others, and it sometimes there's a gut check for you. What what keeps your motor running? Well, I hear a voicemail like that, and if I ever need motivation, or if I'm down a little bit that day, or thinking I can't do something, yeah, I put that on two or three times. Yep. And by the way, you know, there's no uh, monster energy drink that's going to be a faster kick It's a different kind of Red Bull, that's for sure. And it's one of those that inspires you because you have 
assholes that first of all who who leaves a message like that right. first of all it's i always like to say it's like it's this, that's the same guy that leaves that message is the guy that calls it you know five thirty five after the office closes yeah. at five and says hey ernie i've been trying to get a hold of you it's just it's not going to work out we're not, we're not going to do that deal i tried to get a hold of you You're sure you did you know but but the code was i, tr- I called you specifically fucking after office hours were closed <laughs> so i didn't have to talk to you live yes and it's the chicken shit way out yes. right and um first of all conversations like that are between two mature adults happen live they happen person to person absolutely and especially if it's a business partner so um I just found that very interesting. I understand why you start with that, and I would you know, yeah. encourage you to continue to do that because we, that, we thing tease, got, that thing got me motivated. Yeah, we tease him all the time, but he literally put that on his uh, iTunes list. Like this was like and pre, he, pre he, like technology out. days yeah. where like I had to go to Best Buy and buy like a fucking recording device, yeah. like probably something like that, except smaller, and had to you know play it on my put it on speakerphone, play it, and then digitally save it and put it onto my iTunes. And then next thing you know, once we were putting out this podcast, I'm like, fuck, I got to get that voicemail. Yeah. But it was like on my, you know, my, I, my iPod. Right. I'm like, fuck, where is that? And i just lucky same I was thing. able to digitally able to find it. I did the same it. thing with, I've got uh, uh, three kids and I've got a 23-year-old daughter who's in Denver uh, in her second year of grad school. I have a 20-year-old son that's uh, at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland who's a junior this year and a son that's 16 that's a junior at Cathedral Catholic High School where all my kids went. But the reason I bring that up is that I had all these great old voicemails as well when I was working late nights at the arena and um, where my kids would be calling me, you know, daddy, when you're coming home or if it was, you know, or just even during the day sure. thinking about your daddy and Kristen would put them on a phone call. But it was on the voicemails, the same thing. I had one of those old tape no little cassette things and so i put it on speakerphone i would record that and awesome. i had these tapes and then i played that again through my like old 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 computer imax mm-hmm. and eventually put those into itunes oh so I've very got a bunch cool of these old that's ones, awesome you know like through garage yeah. band or something yeah that's it was archaic but i'm so stoked i did that because i have these cool recordings of these old voicemails and that's that's and I really went by, i went by the other day i, I came across it on my favorites playlist or whatever and i sat in my uh, office and literally got the tears were flowing i was just listening to two hours worth of these old voicemails that i had saved and pretty yeah. cool stuff isn't it isn't it amazing though kind of where audio is i mean we went to a podcast conference and just talking about audio and you know you bring up your kids and you know saving those voicemails i mean that's something that's so powerful and when i was helping my grandfather you know my grandfather raised me which is why you know when he's telling me that I, you know, got everything from my grandfather. I've never worked a day in my life. You know, those things, they, they hit home because my grandfather raised me. He was my father. And, you know, I spent the time helping him write his autobiography, but we spent time just recording, sitting down and talking to each other. And I have those recordings where, you know, I'm just asking him questions. And that's, you know, that's a legacy that, you know, that's our family history. That's something that I'll always have. And I'll be able to share with my son, you know, someday once he's old enough and, We'll be able to play those for him and really understand, you know, where his gran- his great grandfather came from. And you know, especially for you, you had a grandfather who built a legacy. Yeah. You know, and you were born into a family that had very high expectations yeah. for what it was to to be a Han. I mean, you got named after your grandfather. It's like, yeah, no, I did, and I think I, th- you know, I think. Um, 
it's it only goes two ways. I tell my kids this, um, and I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to, you know, I had my first job at, at the age of 13. I worked as an expediter at the old Albatross restaurant nice. in Del Mar. Um, I only worked for like three weeks uh, for, a, for a buddy of mine who was going on vacation for three weeks, and I was expediter, which means basically fucking just clean up everything, clean up, <laughs> rinse out the bar mat the next day. Yeah. And here I am, this 13-year-old, I'm vacuuming, I'm putting up the bar chairs. To the, I mean, it was going in the women's restroom, doing all that stuff, and it was... You're like Cordell Stewart. You're like Slash. It was, what do you need, quarterback? You yeah, whatever. Punt, it was, it was everything. It was, and I'll never forget, I got, I got the paycheck, and I was so excited I got the paycheck, and, and uh, I put it on put it on like my cork board and then like two weeks or three weeks later I went to cash it and, and the you know albatross went under. No. So no. No not only did I get paid for it, but <laughs> I, I guess it goes back to, and then I started working at the fairgrounds as a, uh, I worked for Dave Barnum. I was the first male employee of hot dog on a stick. So you've seen the hot dog on a stick Absolutely. stands there. Well, he was in a bunch of my dad's and my grandpa's malls, hot dog on a stick. Yeah. He's how they expanded. My dad had a relationship. And so nice little uniforms, nice uniforms. Well, they were all women, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah. nice uniforms on women. And, uh, so I'm 13 that summer for the, for the fair. Pretty sure you can't work at 13 today, but <laughs> right. uh, I was working at 13 and I'd get on one of the, you should be able to, uh, yeah, you should. You I was, should be able I was to. delivering ice to the different stands. The second year I was actually dipping dogs and, you know, they, uh, stomp and lemonade. You'll see them. They do the stomp and the yep. lemonade and making the batter and the, um, so I was just accustomed to working at an early age. I had a job every summer and it gets back to in the end. Um, yeah, I was, I was born into the Han family, but what was instilled with me early on was, um, for me, there was only one direction to go. I got up, I fucking worked. I, uh, and then that carried on through college I worked every summer. And then when I got the opportunity at the arena, after I'd worked for a year with my dad's development company, after I'd interned two summers, um, I always find it goes two ways. If you're in a family, you either have to work harder than others or you skate. You skate because you can mm -hmm. and you're still going to get paid. Well, there's only one recipe for actually building respect from others. Uh, and some people, you're not going to get the respect just because who you are, period. And you got to have the maturity 100%. over time to understand yep. that, that you keep your head down, you work hard, uh, and good things come from it. But, um, you know, uh, the old adage, you know, respect is earned, it's not given. And so um, that's how I've always looked at it. I've got to work harder. I've got to work faster, uh, more efficient. And and you got to be passionate for something. I think as I sit in here and I'm looking at both of you guys, it's one thing if you have a, a, a family business, but you've got to be passionate about it and you've got to want to make it better. you got to want to build on what you've done. You also have to recognize at some point that you've been given some tools in your toolkit in life um, by nature on how you were born. And uh, the great example I'll use is my dad. My dad is, uh, he's the smartest guy I've ever met. I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of people at a lot of different business tables. And I'm not saying it because he's my dad. He's the fucking smartest guy I've ever met. I'll never be as smart as he is when it comes to that. And you got to understand, doesn't mean I'm dumb. It right. just means I'm not as smart as the smartest man I've ever met. <laughs> sure. And that's okay. Everybody else I've met so far is in that same company. Um, I think you realize what your tools are. And so some people are particularly strong in finance. Some people are better with people. Some people have a good combination of others. You find what your strength is. 
and what your God-given talents are, and you take those to the bank with you, and then you try to expand on those other areas that you know you need to improve on and get better. And in a lot of cases, you build your team around you with those people that, you know, don't don't be afraid to have somebody that's a director of finance, or in this case, uh, Michelle Yeager, who's at the arena with us. That's and Michelle's better at finance than I am. Sure, she's a almost a fifty year old woman, and yeah. I couldn't have a better person on my team. But collectively as a team, we're a hell of a unit, right? We're you know we all have certain strengths that we bring to the table, and. Um, as I'm talking about this, I'm sure you're thinking about the same thing with people that you have in your organization. That's how organizations succeed. They do not succeed by fear and shock and awe and Thor's hammer coming down and saying, my fucking way or the highway. Those are short-lived things. We've seen a lot of that. We, we've seen a lot of that with the, the football team that just mm-hmm. recently yeah. left. And um, you need a coalition of great people to do great things. And we've been blessed. Um, but in the end, uh, more importantly, there's been a lot of hard work, at least for me in the last 26 years at the arena, and a lot of learning along the way that's kind of gotten to, to where we are today. So and, give us a you know, brief description of, of the arena, San Diego Sports Arena, its history and how it, once you, before pre-Ernie to Ernie. So, I, you know, we got involved, uh, and now today, we, you know, it's the Valley View Casino Center. We did a five-year deal with an option with Valley View Casino and Hotel with Bruce Howard and the crew there. And they're a great partner. So many people know it as the San Diego Sports Arena and refer to it um, over the years where it was. But we got involved in 1991 um, when we took over. And uh, I was actually on a surf trip around the world. I graduated from college. Uh, My best friend since first grade was at University of uh, California, Santa Barbara. And we were waiting to go on this killer, killer trip. Yeah. And, but he took a little extra time to graduate than I did. I went to Santa Clara <laughs> University. I got out in four years. And so I worked for nine months with my dad's company and, and, and it was called Land Grant Development. I called myself essentially, you know, I was a, a contracts administrator. So I worked on all their contracts, brought up new forms, kind of, you know, expedited a lot of the things there. But really what I, I was a firefighter. Talking about put it out <laughs> any one of the malls. Firefighter is right. Fourteen different, you know, smaller malls from hundred thousand square feet to five hundred thousand so square foot. Jesus. malls. this was your grandfather's company that your dad was running. No, so this, this is this is my dad's company, company. Land Grant. After he left the Han company, okay. so yeah, you, know, you got to go back to my grandpa. Sold his company back in the early eighties. My dad was the president of that company. It was the Han company, and then my dad goes on. After about a year and a half, he couldn't stand working for some of the people at Trizac. Yeah. So he quits, takes a couple of years off, and then he reformulates himself and, and starts a company called Land Grant Development. And so, you know, kind of smaller regional strip malls, as we'd call them, 100,000 to 500,000 square feet with a, a bank and an acre grocery store. And uh, in fact, as you look in this way, one of their malls that's not too far from here is the Lemon Grove Plaza that they sure. did. You know where that was? Oh, yeah. That was the first oh, fucking... Wow. Still has lemon in, there, right? First, yeah. first oh, yeah. fucking in and out no way. in all of San Diego. Really? in and out Burgers, the first one ever brought, was brought by my dad. That's rad. And his company back in the early 90s. Things still fucking going strong. So uh, that was one of their malls originally, and, and my dad eventually sold that company. So I'm working, I'm 
expediting. I'd get calls about graffiti at Lemon Grove Plaza. <laughs> no, you don't it. say. <laughs> not, I yeah, don't believe it. No, absolutely. Not, not to use this area to reference that, but there was a lot of fucking graffiti. Hey, yeah. Let's just put it this way. They need to have more art classes in East County. Yeah, and apparently. We need, we need to get back to the schools and get some art classes I specifically up. remember coming down here and showing the, the painter and all that, where, what to handle and how to take care of it. Um, so that's what we did. I'm on this surf trip around the world. Uh, I had told my dad, uh, after nine months, I'm going to go on this trip. My dad said, that's, that's cool. And I also said, by the way, if, if, if you don't have a job for me when I get back, I totally understand. I don't expect anything, but I want to take this time. It might be the only time I get in my life to do that. So we went to Tahiti, New Zealand, Australia, and uh, Indonesia. That's insane. And To uh, even have that type of foresight to see, like, this is the one of the only times I can do this in my yeah. life to be able to go do that. That's pretty rad. And we did it. it took, we each had a backpack and right. two surfboards and a bag. And that was it. We, we, we literally headed on the road for three months and stayed in youth hostels along the way, had a sleeping bag and yeah. just surfed around the world for three months. And it was incredible. And um, anyway, so I ended up getting a call uh, or making a call on a payphone. You know, we get, but people forget, no, there's no internet. There's no cell phones. Right. Payphone from New Zealand. And my dad says, what do you know about, at that time, the San Diego Sportsman? I said, well, you know, Dad, we've been to all these goals games and Mariners games. We've done a bunch of different things. Um, because we might have the op- opportunity to, to buy the leasehold right there and work on developing a new arena in San Diego. So this is 1990 we're having this conversation. I'm in New Zealand. And when I came back, that's exactly, I came back and a month later, he had already purchased it or hadn't purchased it. He was kind of under contract to work on it, but they had negotiated for me to come in and work as the events coordinator. So this is now July of 91. And what he really wanted me to do is come in and learn the business for the first year as we're kind of entertaining buying this leasehold agreement. And he wanted me to have the eyes and ears and kind of go in and see what's going on down at this place and also learn it. And, uh, I mean, as, as somebody knowledgeable in the business would, would be, my dad just kind of knew that was the right way to do it. So I come down here, I start working. I see that the arena is being run essentially as a play play toy. The general manager was the one that was doing those betting games with Michael Jordan back at the time named Richard Eskinas. Really? Uh, operations managers, you know, getting blowjobs on the side for right. tickets. <laughs> totally. And, nice. uh, you know, the, the, the box office is scalping tickets on the side. <laughs> and so it's a fucking disaster. Right. And I'm getting in there, and I'm starting as an event coordinator. And so I'm working all the night in events, but I'm coming in during the day. And then I start finding out the old GM who's kind of still drinking at lunch. And the book <laughs> the book kind of gets thrown to me to start right, right. booking the arena during the day and working all the arena events at night. So I'm working like 18-hour days. and But you talk about you know feet to the fire and learning, and that's exactly what happens as we get into this. And um, you got to roll your. That was right, up. Bef- right before you started having kids, then too, right? Yeah. So well, this is twenty three. Yeah, I, ma- I got married in in ninety two. So Kristen, nice math. Kristen time. Kristen's uh, still up at. Uh, we got engaged while she was still actually a senior um, at at Santa Barbara, and so she's off at school. I'm working my balls off down at the arena, literally uh, eighteen hours a day. But I'm learning a ton, and you know, I'll never forget Frank Roach, who was one of my. Uh, good friends he was one of the legends over at ringling brothers barnum bailey circus and feld entertainment with all the disney and ice and i was calling him about the contract i'd only been at the arena for about a month and a half and 
I start going through the questions on the contract, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I'm trying my best, but I'm a, I've been hired to go to fucking law school. I got, I got the book with all the dates here. I don't know what we're even charging for rent, and and nobody's even like you know talk about mentoring. Nobody's even taking an interest. It's just like right. like I said, somebody's just, off getting their dick sucked. Right. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's off playing jobs over here. Somebody, somebody's and, off uh, playing job. playing yeah. golf with Michael Jordan. Right. Like, the old GMs, you know, uh, you know, having still three hour lunches where that's the booze cruise. <laughs> and so I, how the fuck is this place? I'm even like, open? I'm like, this is like crazy. Like that. I've never seen anything like this. You know, there was another guy, uh, imagine? another guy Couldn't coming imagine. during the day and he, I didn't know what he was doing, but he had, have his feet up and he, he'd read the like, uh, UT cover like, to cover. Are, are, are we paying you? Like, yeah. No, I, I'd walk in, I'd be doing work in and I look over at this guy. I'm not going to mention his name because he still may be around. I, 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 fuck, I don't even know if he's still alive, but, and he's reading the UT cover to cover. I'd look over like two hours later and now he's on the business section. <laughs> and then I'm looking over and I'm like, fuck, well, at least read the sports section. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're in sports and We're fucking in sports entertainment. And entertainment. Get into that, right? And I think he'd crack that by hour three. He'd have like his fourth Jesus. cup of coffee. And I'm just getting my head down going, oh my God. And then I'd come back and I'd talk to my dad and, and we'd be talking about like, how crazy is this? Well, my dad had the insight. It wasn't just that. It, I also then... In the first four months, I started off as an usher. So I ushered for oh, I mean, a month ushering. So I'd be working during the day, and all of a sudden, like Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus comes through in August, and I'm an usher sure. for yeah. fucking 10 of those shows. Let me just tell you, it gives you a lot of respect for all the ushers we see at our games, oh, because yeah. now you're sitting there, and I'm watching the same circus 10 fucking times. But now, and, you, know the, now you know the daily grind. Well, well the grind, I'm sitting there, and you're, you know, you're back hurts because you're standing in the yep. same place the whole time and all you're thinking is like with the juggler or something else like drop one of those bowling pins <laughs> like uh you know somebody lose a finger to yeah, the tiger I mean, right. let's have, have a little a spice bit. to what's going on because i've seen this freaking show 10 times now and i need a little spice on what's going on and same thing then i you know um set up and change you know changeover with a guy named nick lutu at the time who had been with the arena forever and now it's aj and a lot of the crew that we've had, some for 35 and 40 years that have been doing changeovers. But, you know, doing a changeover after an event at 1130, getting done at 6 in the morning to hockey or whatever. I mean, just so your, your how, whole body. How, many, how just, many does a circus hold? Circus, back in that capacity, held about 9,000 people. 9,000 people. Yeah. And were they selling it out? or? Yeah, it was doing real well back then. Now it's the a circus, big fucking deal. Now the circus, you know, is gone. Really yeah. Brothers is gone. Yeah. It's just, You're fucked. So you can't do it, anything like that anymore. Well, you can't fuck with Circus Dole. No. Right. You can't, you can't circus is, you know, circus is a bad word. So I yeah. guess, um, but security usher ticket takers, porters, uh, ticket sellers, um, got a chance to really do everything, work concessions, work merchandise to understand what it was like a year later, guys. Um, you get such a different perspective of the customer and the experience as a fan and coming into the stadium, the different access points the pressure points you know when there's an event and you know okay now we're queuing up for food and you know well this doesn't make sense or you know why isn't somebody selling something here because you know this you know this husband wants to buy something for his wife or you know the father wants to buy something for his daughter and they can't buy it because you know it's not laid out properly i mean the, all those different jobs that you did i'm sure just gave you an education that you couldn't have gotten otherwise well i think you want to you want to learn it right like we could talk right now all day long about Cali Comfort Barbecue. Somebody can leave that fucking voicemail for you all day yeah. long, right? Oh, yeah. People that don't even know you can make comments. I'm sure people are all the time, oh, fucking Han, he's got the name of this. Hey, 
everybody, it's a beautiful thing about America, is entitled to their own opinion. And I'm totally yeah. okay with what, it. What, whatever. Yeah, do what you do. I'm very comfortable in my skin. <laughs> right. I'm I sleep one, fine. I'm the one that knows, you know, 24-7 what I've got to do, and I've got to run uh, a business. I've got a family. I've got to make sure that, and the people that, that depend it's okay. On you. And you know people depend on me, yeah. the, the 25 employees that we have that are full-time that depend on a paycheck. And if we don't book a show, if we don't have events that support that, people don't eat. It's very right. simple. Right. So I can talk about the greatest management team or all the things over the years that I think have been better. It's very simple in the end. And I, and I got a great team that does a great job. And, and I, I empower them all to run their department like it's their own company. Sure. So uh, I'll come in with thought or insight I'll sit down with them. My door is always open. But I expect my operations department to take ownership in that and run it like that's their operations department. Marketing, same thing. I know exactly what they're doing, but I empower them to do great things and know that we're going to build up from that and they can always depend on me in the end. Because if you micromanage people in the end, one, nobody likes being micromanaged. I just hate it. Two, I'd rather just drop that position and pay that salary to Absolutely. me and I'll just fucking do it. Right. And three, you garner the respect and the loyalty when people feel like they are making that contribution and it is part of their legacy that they're creating that's a lot, people, really, a lot of people a lot of people just don't get that yeah it's really cool that like, you know we, you talked about it earlier you know kind of capitalizing on what you do best be very you know, know know what you do best capitalize on it and then i've always said to myself if i'm the smartest man in my company i'm doing something wrong in everything i can't be the best at the finances and everything but you get, get this team together now your job is how do I motivate them? And what you're finding out is you motivate them by allowing them to run it like their own business. Yep. And it gives them the responsibility. They're like, okay, hey, he trusts me enough. I'm going to work my ass off to make sure this is mine. And I'm going to make sure it runs efficiently. And I'm doing the best I can for this team because I'm a very, very important part of this team. And that's, that's how we're trying to do it here too. It's the same, same concept. We're really trying to allow... It was hard for me at first, like some of my, my meat managers, like Charlie, who's just doing an amaz amazing job. It was hard for me at first to just say, okay, here you go. It's not the same way I do it, as long as the result's the same or better. If you, if you can make it more efficient, do it. It was hard at first, but now I'm really starting to learn, okay, let it go a little bit. Do what I do best. Bring in business. Um, talk to different people, grow our company and let them do those things. And it's been, man, it's been pain yeah, and, tenfold. And, and I think like in the end, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll have this discussion with our staff and our team is if you don't grow the business, if you don't bring in the business, if the people don't continue to shop here, if you don't continue to be relevant after, yeah, yeah. you know, 60 plus years, it's very simple between that and your meat managers and everybody else. They don't have a fucking job. Yes. Right. So, so you're all part of the same team. Everybody's got to grow together and everybody's got to be respectful. Everybody's got to be able to take criticism the right way, including us. Sure. And ultimately, you want to hear from your whole team, like, how can we do things better? And when they feel like they're part of that, when they're talking to you mm -hmm. and, and with you, and you're not talking to them right. or down on them, that's the difference. But, but it's amazing to me how many people can't figure that out. And that's how you build great teams. And yeah. I, I will tell you, when I first came into it, so here I am. We close after a year. I actually resign after a year because uh, my dad goes, there's a lawsuit pending. 
probably not going to close on the arena. That's fine. Blowjob lawsuit? Yeah. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't with me, I can tell you that. <laughs> I was happily engaged at the time. And uh, no, but I'm sure with everybody else there, there was... It was a disaster. Uh, stuff that's not even podcast. Uh, <laughs> not I mean, podcast it, friendly. It was, so we got regular broadcast, podcast, whatever the next one yeah, is. Yeah, whatever. Was. Podcast is probably th- those discussions go there. Uh, and and I, I remember I went in and resigned to Richard Eskinas at the time, and I had a tear in my eye because I just, I just, I had literally laid it all out for a year. I just like, and I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. And, and, so I do that, and, and uh, five months later, we end up getting through that lawsuit. We end up closing on the building, Arena Group 2000, which is our group. Um, and uh, we come back in, and then I start working as Arena Group 2000 as the business manager because at that point, uh, the, the best specialty that I had, I knew a lot about the building, but I had uh, my greatest asset is relationships and building relationships and having people build teams that, that – want to work together and build a coalition together in, in anything that you do. It's, mm-hmm. it's, so uh, that's one of the gifts that I was given when I was born. And when you realize that, you want to take, take a hold of that and you want to use it sure. for everybody, right? And then apply that to charities, apply that to whatever it is that you're doing mm-hmm. and help other people out. And if, and if you do that for the right reasons, it comes back tenfold the other way, not because you're going, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a golf tournament for my birthday because if I do that, you're not trying to monetize uh, enough right people there. are going, oh, my gosh, she's a nice guy and, and, and we'll give them that. No, you do it for the right reasons. But I know that people that are touched by that, that see that, first of all, that are exposed in that case to like a boys to men or whatever, it comes back in spades down the line. It could be 20 years I could hear. I, I, and I don't even care if it does. It just always does when you do the right thing. And so. We close on it. I started as a business manager in 92, and that was the key. Once again, you don't have events. You got fucking nothing. Yes. Right. You're we, an event we, company. Every night that we didn't open the door, it was costing us like a, 10 grand or something. Yeah. I remember my dad and I were going through the math. You're, a, like, re- you're a restaurant that's closed. Or I mean, a restaurant that's closed. When, you're, good open, you? when yeah. you're opening up a restaurant, when you're opening up, all, you're just spending money. You got to open the fucking doors, and you got to start selling something. to sell. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. And then I had an older building, you know, people calling it the sports aroma, all these <laughs> other things. And so it's just, it's, so you've had to work with, I always say, perceptions reality for years. Just like, oh, that place is a dump, this and that. And so over time, when you make that investment and you put money into it, which is one of the reasons why we did the deal with AEG uh, in uh, 10 years ago, in, in, in nine years ago, actually, in 2008. They brought in capital, took a majority interest in the leasehold interest. Uh, so Arena Group 2000 and AEG Facilities formed this new company, which is AEG Management San Diego, which operates the uh, sublease, you know, San Diego Entertainment, which ha- holds that lease. With the, so for those that are listening, AEG is Ann Schultz Entertainment Group, yeah. which is just absolutely, for anybody that's sports entertainment, for anyone that's listening around the world, how many properties are they, I mean, we're talking about, Convention centers, stadiums, yeah, LA Live. I mean, you name it. When they're you look probably at, yeah, places probably that they there. own and, and operate. It's you know, it's 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 hundreds of different management agreements, and they own arenas. And you know, in our first case, bank center. In, in, in our case, they're they're, uh, they're majority they're majority owner in the arena. It's an incredible. I mean, the company. chances are that anyone that's listening to this podcast, they've been to an AEG oh, run yeah. I mean, facility. Just, just think of it. You know, Staples Center, yep. O2. Um, yeah, just, it, it goes on and on, uh, target center and, 
And now we're talking about the Valley View Casino Center. So they come in, we put money into it, we get new new boards, new glass, we get a new scoreboard, we uh, redo all the lower level seats, uh, terrace curtaining, restrooms, um, flat screens, signage. So a lot of people still ask me, well, the arena looks kind of the same on the outside. And I, and I always tell them, it's like, uh, it'd be like looking at anybody else's business. We're, and AEG always looks at this, and, and it gets monotonous at times, right? But it's the right way to look at it initially. You know, where's your ROI? Where's yeah. your return on investment? Totally. Experience. And as I look at that right now, and I look at that picture, so there's I got zero ROI on what my building looks like on the outside. My ROI is what it looks like on the inside. What's my yeah. experience for people? So when we did the wall wraps, or I did the deal with Dale and the guys at Sharp Electronics, yep. who were awesome. And we got 200 flat screens with digital signage. I mean, I had a lot of that stuff before, staples and not not flat screens, but I had digital signage and Allure digital and doing some real cool different things. And what we always pride ourselves on in this building is, you know, I look at us as the you know the dog that keeps fighting. Yeah, we've had to fight harder for what we get. Right, I'm just not getting the call naturally when the Rolling Stones are going on tour right. and they're adding O2 Arena. And they're playing up at Staples Center, and they're playing up at up in Portland, and all these different spots, or you know, Madison Square Gardens. They're not naturally going. By the way, okay, we finished our forty city itinerary. Must have the Valley View Casino Center because it's the smallest <clears throat> fucking venue, and it's fifty years old. Right. Yeah. Nobody's having that discussion. So right. my discussion is to let them know between financially what the deal is, or twenty five years of relationships, or dealing with Ernie Hahn and Ron Hahn. Why it makes sense? Why are we relevant? It's San Diego. How does it work? How does it look? And today, I'm really proud. I mean, this this facility, we're in the top five facilities typically every year for ten to fifteen thousand seat arenas uh, in the world. And um, you know, the bigger facilities are in the fifteen to twenty thousand seat. Mm -hmm. But I'm a fifty year old building, and in yeah. San Diego. We're not only just relevant, we, we kick ass. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. I, do, I do more events than, you know, over at San Diego State and the amphitheater combined. And I, and I say that, um, and I'm proud of that because it's been a lot of hard work. It's, it's very easy for somebody just to go to newer and shinier, but it's, I think it's a, it's a testament to the staff and what we're doing and ultimately trying to deliver the experience. Because if you just look at it from the outside, you go, well, why is somebody going there and sean and i so, talk about the same exact thing all the time though because i have what i would call a kind of unassuming uh place and you sure you do well we're here in east county. county i mean we because of our location and because of what we're you know our our community we've had to go from the inside out and it's yeah. really an inside out philosophy but you get and, back to the roi absolutely and, and, and you're like how do i make this an experience a grocery store can be a a, a fun thing if you allow it to be so how, how do I make the experience better for everybody? It's not necessarily me redoing the outside. Of it. It's it's what happens when they come in. Yeah. I always say, if I can get you in here, I can keep you. Yeah. I, I can keep you here if I can just get you to come in these doors. It's the same thing. It's what we run into all the time with these old, older well, that I mean, that's why the focus on staffing and the training of the staff and the understanding of hospitality and what true hospitality. It's expensive to run labor and state of california and it's only and, getting fucking more expensive that's you so know, fucking for us early. to make a conscious decision to have so much staff on they've got to get it and you know one of the first things when i went with to go meet ernie for the first time with ernie and ari siegel and 
um, that all came about because of our relationship with iHeart. You know, we had a relationship with Extra Sports 1360 and Dominic and uh, Brian Wilson over there. And we had been doing things consistently for six years going to the radio station, even though we were just a one unit restaurant out in East County. Every time we went, we took care of everybody. We did it fucking like it was our it was like it was our Super Bowl. We went there and we gave them the absolute best, whether it was me or it was Tommy, my pit master, my wife, like whatever the fuck we had to do, we made sure that we were giving the best. And then when they came and they asked, you know, we got on their radar. And when I went and met Ernie and met Ari, I mean, what's your definition of getting it? Because you say it a lot. Yeah, I mean, my definition is getting it. Somebody, first of all, that just understands the right way to do business, one, understands the code of business, meaning if I say something, I'm going to do exactly what I say. If I shake your hand, I'm not shaking your hand. And then behind the scenes going, that didn't mean anything. I mean, it's everything. And so if when you came in and we talked about getting it, like if you represent that this is what you're going to do with your barbecue and this is how your barbecue rolls. If I'm representing, here's what's going to happen at the arena and here's the location you're going to have. And here's what I'm going to be able to give you as deliverables that's what everybody expects going into it. Well, what you find in San Diego is it's a very small community, big city, really small when it comes down to it. So yeah. when I have somebody like Sean and Callie Comfort that's constantly blowing up in a good way our social media and talking about the goals and the experience down there, it's invaluable. I mean, I, I can't tell you enough how many people and at the same time when we have 650,000 people that are coming through the arena that may hear about Cali Comfort Barbecue for the first time yeah. and we and we send them that way it's it's we're doing this together and it's a marriage and and from my standpoint I'm really I, we couldn't have had a better partner to to start this off and then we went out and we did a deal with Rock and Baja Lobster we did a deal with you know Ruby's Diner uh, we've got, uh, you know, Hugo, Hugo, Hugo and, is a stud. And, 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 God, he's and so cool. And Mess yeah, Royale. I mean, and, so good. And my wife so goes there. It's, <laughs> she gets first spot. Right. She I mean, up. but these are all really good people, especially when you get into Hugo. And then we did the, the, the ballast point stand. Then we did a, a, you know, out of respect to Mr. Breitbart who had the building built and was like, as a mentor to me, I just, I just, uh, I named it you before know, you so, go yeah. any further, the man in the arena. Let's talk about Bob. Yeah. Let's talk about Bob and your relationship. And I mean, one of the Let's most powerful things that you have in the Stella Lounge, which you redid and have all these epic photos of all the amazing acts that have come through Valley View. Um, you have a plaque, right? The man in the arena. Yeah, the man in the arena. And, and um, so for people that don't know Bob Breitbart, you talk about icons and legends and, 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 uh, most of them are, are, are that we've known for the last 50 and 60 years in San Diego or have either passed away or are passing away. It's yeah. like a Malin Burnham, same kind of thing. Bob Breitbart had the arena built in 1966. It was his vision to bring San Diego into the next generation with this state-of-the-art sports arena at the time. And originally it was the International Sports Arena, a place people come internationally for this. And it was built... Uh, and finished in uh, November of 1966. The goals of the Western Hockey League were the first tenant. He owned that team. Um, and he also brought the Rockets the next year, which were part of the NBA. And uh, he owned that team. And, and uh, 
So Bob also helped the stadium get built. He started something called the Hall of Champions, which honors all of the youth organizations and stars of the month and stars of the year and professional stars. And he created this incredible museum that's now moving down to Petco yep. Park. Um, and so I can't say enough about Bob. And he was a hockey fan, first and foremost. He had this building built. It never actually even got a true, true architect in the end. He had a draftsman. He, would, he was real proud to tell you that he had a draftsman that did it. <laughs> Sounds like my grandfather. <laughs> and, you know, almost like on a napkin. My, my, gra- like he, uh, my grandfather was a like medical this. doctor, but he was like so proud of not paying somebody to, to So do he had like job. a draftsman come in and really look at me. And it was designed for hockey first and foremost, but it needed to be a great building with great sight lines for hockey and everything else that came through. And so Bob had that done. He uh, eventually sold the Rockets because he, he got in a fight with the city. The city kept charging him tax on 80 acres. He only operated 40 acres, and he wanted somebody else to run the building. He was running the building. He owned the hockey team. And he owned the the NBA team. And... Um, as I've explained, a lot of people didn't know this before. Uh, finally, the city does this, and uh, Peter Graham, who came from Canada, took it over. Uh, never heard a good thing said about Peter Graham, but b- bottom line is he took it over, changed you know some of the management, and as Bob's lease came to an end with the goals, he actually had a letter from the NHL. They were converting a bunch of the Western Hockey League teams, Quebec and a bunch of these other teams, we're going to be moving from the Western Hockey League into the NHL. Wow. Um, the, the lease had just come up because he was owning owned and operating right. his own building. He now has Peter Graham he's got to deal with on the lease of the arena. Max McNabb at the time wow. was the GM. And Peter Graham starts talking to uh, a guy named Dennis Murphy. Dennis Murphy is the one that created the old ABA that had the basketball, yep, yep. the team that was you know trying to compete with the NBA at the yeah, time. Yeah. Had the multicolored ball, and Dr. J played in that league for yep. years. And so he creates something called the World Hockey Association, a different kind of competing hockey league. And so the goals basically have a letter that says, get your lease in order. We have the NHL. You'll become an NHL team the following season. Murphy's chirping in Peter Graham's ear and probably – who knows what they're talking about? They were having probably long uh, alcohol-filled lunches because I, I know that was going on. Where were um, these lunches? What restaurant? I don't even know back then. I don't want to know, but they were probably the butcher shop. Back probably then. The, butcher the butcher shop was, I was, just gonna say uh, was a go-to. That's Dark funny. and dingy and yep. everything goes. Right. Um, and so it's very sad. Uh, during that time period, Bob got upset with the city, sold the Rockets for $5 million to the city of Houston. A lot of people so, still don't know that the Houston Rockets started off as the San Diego, Diego Rockets. Just to interject today la times rockets sold to fertita 2.2 billion there it is so they can try to take them to vegas 2.2 billion i could i that's a good question aren't the fertitas that's ufc right uh ufc yeah yeah, it's ufc it's also um you know they're gonna try to bring them to vegas then probably i think 2.2 billion 2.2 billion yeah so there it is more than steve ballmer so look at that appreciation. Look, right. So if you do, do the math from 1972. Sports entertainment properties are real Look at 1972 to today. Figure out the number of years and take $5 million and, and send it to $2.2 billion. That's the latest valuation. Not a mathematician, on a, on but that's a, fucking But that unreal. works. That's a good investment. The, <laughs> yeah. um, oh. So, and then Bob can't get the lease with Peter Graham. Peter signs a new lease with the World Hockey Association. That's the Mariners that come into play. Yeah. 
the goals are out of the lease, the goals are gone, NHL never comes to San Diego. And then hockey comes back in 1990 in the International Hockey League with the goals. For a little history lessons, that goes on. When we acquire the, the leasehold interest in the arena, it essentially comes with the hockey team. We sell that to a guy named Fred Comrie, mm-hmm. International Hockey League. He operates a couple of years. And then the middle of the season in 1995, he announces you know, the arena is not good enough. You know, we're, we're being blamed for his attendance, whatever. Everybody always takes a shot at the arena because we're old. It's easy to do that. He announces he's moving the team up to L.A., to the L.A. Sports Arena of all places. Nothing says family-friendly like in the middle of the hood <laughs> yeah. like the L.A. Sports Arena. And it becomes the L.A. Ice Dogs. He ends up playing there for a year, and then it moves to Long Beach after the fact. But my dad, I just I, I haven't really said enough about him on this telecast. The only reason I'm in this position, why I get a chance, is my dad has this vision for a new arena, has this vision for uh, – getting a new arena downtown. It's why we took over the leasehold industry in the arena. It wasn't to start operating a 25-year-old building. That's right. what kind of started. We were working with the city, which I'll get into. And bottom line is he starts this hockey league in 1995. On Literally in two months, he creates a whole new league called the Western West Coast Hockey League. And we have five teams that in six months are playing from the time that the goals have announced they're leaving. And we open up in the fall of 95 with the new logo, which our old logo looks a lot like the current goals logo. Yeah. You see, oh, yeah. we must've been doing something right with the logo because they thought so much of it that it looks very similar. And we operate that franchise for 11 years. So my dad really taking the point on the hockey team, he's on the board of the governors. I mean, he made that whole league work. That's he, incredible. he saved, That's saved incredible. hockey in San Diego at that point. Um, it wasn't on coming. I, you know, I, I'm now become the GM in, in 97. So it wasn't uncommon. The players come up, they'd come by my office. It was different, you know, Hey, we need you to do a PR appearance over at AT&T. You know, the Chad Wagner's of the world. And these guys would come over and just great guys. It was a family affair with hockey and Brad Belland and Martin St. Amore. That's how I met all these guys. They right. played on the team and we operate that franchise until 2006. We won the three, First three championships, we won five championships in eight years. Um, so five championships overall in the 11 years. And we were losing too much money in the end in 2006. It was even probably a year too late. So we had to let the team go. And then we made a conscious, and Ron made a conscious decision, and I did. We didn't want to bring hockey back until it could be at the right level. And this whole bringing of the AHL West was a nine-year process. We were waiting nine for years. that to happen. That's incredible. I had two or three different East Coast Hockey League teams. I had a United Hockey team. I had a Central Hockey League team. And all, none, none of them all, felt right? They all wanted to come and play during right. that absence. We could have gotten some rent out of them or whatever, but we knew this is a hockey town, and to do it right, we'd have this affiliation with the Ducks. Right. And this was a conversation Huge. that my dad and I were having even you know, prior to doing the deal with AEG, about a year before, we were already having this conversation with Tim Ryan and, yep. and all the guys up there. So you see why it works so well. It works well because there's passionate fans and owners and uh, people like Sean and the community that feel for it, that know that these guys lay it all on the line, even when the, you know, the Chargers were here in town and we love the Chargers and I miss the Chargers. But, man, the, the, this is a hockey team that not only – likes being here they want to be here and they're doing great things in the community and they've got great partners like like sean and doing that and so going back you know back to the early you know 
you know, early 1990s, you know, we bought this arena lease so that we could work on, you know, my dad had this great development plan downtown by Tailgate Park. Yep. And we got within about $25 million of making it happen. We had the Timberwolves ready to move to San Diego. We were going to get a new arena built that would be much like the pond as you see it today or Honda Center. Mm -hmm. We had a TOT tax that was increased at the time back then. It was the last time the TOT tax was increased. It was increased by a cent and a half where you didn't have to go to a two-thirds vote, which is impossible. And one cent of that cent and a half was towards the expansion of the convention center, which happened. The other half cent was towards a new arena. A lot of people don't know that because eventually that kind of went through the general yep. fund and went to the Petco Park in the end. Um, so I still think downtown is absolutely the best area to do a new arena. I think over time, our area can be redeveloped uh, into housing, uh, retail, and, and, a, and a beautiful kind of live-work community. But the problem in our area was, is the arena was built in 1966. In 1973-74, they passed the ordinance that no development west of the I-5 could be over 30 feet because there was that development that was built in La Jolla. So if you look at the Pacific sky, Beach, if you look at the skyline of La Jolla, you know the peninsula, and you yeah. look out there, you got this beautiful peninsula, and there's a fucking oh yeah, 14-story yeah. building that just like the you know perfect. There it is. And People were so outraged back then. Now, my grandfather was building a project on Cass Street, and he lost that project. But he had people picketing yeah. because of that height ordinance. Yeah. yeah. So, so now I'm not saying it was the. So that was an overreaction too, right? It was an overreaction that nothing west of the five can be more than thirty feet. Well, the, the arena is not in any view corridor of anybody no. in Mission Hills or whatever. So, it's it was already there, but. The future for this current area that we're in is you've got the city's got to get that, you know, uh, repealed. It's got to get above a 30 foot height ordinance, do it right and do it in a way that ultimately you can get the density, but you can still add parks and greenery. The reason why you see Home Depot and the strip malls and all this other strip clubs and all of the, the retail in our area, it's the highest and best use of rents that you can get for that land up to 30 feet. That's why there's no living spaces. That's why you can't find a fucking park, right. literally, yeah. in that whole area until you get to Rob Field. Yeah. Parks don't exist. And people think, well, you know, I'm here to parks don't grow themselves. You know, you don't put a you know a seed in the wall, you know, in the ground and all of a sudden a park of, of a half acre develops. They're paid for by developers. They're paid yes. by development, but you gotta have the density to pay for them. And so in the end, you can do a smart growth. I'm not saying you go to 90 and 100 feet, but you can do pockets that are 30, pockets that are 50, maybe one pocket that goes to 70 or 80 feet on on a tower ability. But then you've got half acre parks. You got work, live. So what has retail. to change? I mean, you you so talk you, you to, talk about cave people. Yeah. So tell us about the cave people and the okay. mentality. I mean, it's it's a problem that exists here specifically in San Diego. And we have a small town mentality. We have a people that are vote no and cave people. So yeah, let, let's I, talk about well, it. Well, I, you know, I gave that saying to Dan, <laughs> Dan Shea about 15 years ago when he was trying to help the Chargers like round two of 20 rounds or whatever when he was doing. And yeah, it just stands for citizens against virtually everything. everything. So you know, a lot of these people remember when San Diego was 300,000 or 400,000 people. And they wake up and they go, I don't want it to be fucking any different. This is this is my fuck. I've been in San Diego, you know, since 1968. 
I guess I should feel that way, but I don't. This city needs to develop. It needs to grow. Developers aren't a bad word if they're done right and they're done in smart growth areas. They actually help areas shed a lot of the blight. And, 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 and now without redevelopment, which used to have tax increment, the ability to do that, you don't have that. It's harder than ever. So if you think that all of the stuff off of Kurt Street when you come into the arena and Hancock is the best use for that area, I would tell you it's the same industrial shit we've had for years. Now, yeah. the good news is we've had some smart people like Greg and coming with Bay City Brewery and modern times and cool things yep. that are using the 30 feet. So that's a cool they're smart. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, term lease, but you got from roofing companies to sailboat. Hey, everybody has a right to their own business. I'm it's just, almost like a little Spring Valley out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just suggesting there's a better use over time for the value of that land. And that could be an incredible 100, 200 acre development over time that encompasses everything. So when you see like an NTC and some of these other things that have, you know, you now look at NTC where that is and you've got the lot and you've got a bunch of different things that have happened there. Um, but this is a special area that does have some views. It doesn't block any view corridors. Um, but it, that whole area, nothing will change until that 30-foot height ordinance changes and so well, it could become a destination for people too you can yeah. come take your kids there go do stuff something else that the city of san diego can give its its people it's, it's something a, something to it's do a, it's a great area it's a chance for landowners to make more money the city to make more money and put the great development together god forbid but, but you cannot it's you can't per se if somebody says well then ernie why, why don't you go out there if and and put that on the docket you know, go spend the $2 million <laughs> yeah. to put changing the height ordinance there. And everybody, like I said, the, the, the cave people and everybody else are just saying, well, no. that's just a developer trying to make more money in the end. And what I would suggest is to the city is the city in their planning and in their code, when they're looking at the midway planning development program for the future, needs to already access and have that as part of the deal. The city needs to go out and get that done. Their land will be more, more valuable in the end. And when people look at the city and the city planning, they look at it differently than a developer that comes in. Yeah. Because if the developer comes in, they go, oh, he's just after making money. Totally. The city comes in, what is the best and smartest planning? So that's what needs to get done first. And then you do an RFP and you get developers that come in, you get the best and smartest growth plan together. And there's, by the way, in the end, more money to be distributed. There is then the ability for you to put in those parameters with density comes certain parks and public space and all of that that you can walk and be part of. Mm -hmm. So now you can actually own a dog and all these things and not have a concrete yeah. highway right. of like where my dog, my dog can't go to the bathroom. My dog's going to the bathroom on, on, on concrete anywhere it is. Yes. And so it's just a different mentality. And so many people are now nimbied out beyond belief that this is my plan i've been here 22 years i've been here 50 years 40 years and i'm saying no matter how fucking long you've been here how do we get the best plan for san diego moving forward right. and that because we're we continually way. will lose these events i mean the fact that you know this podcast conference well, was in anaheim you know there's a u.s foods you know they're our partner they're putting on a food show in anaheim like anaheim they've redeveloped their convention center i mean it, it's, it's beautiful it's, it's ab it's absolutely gorgeous, yeah. and and they have. I give them credit. So you got to give them credit, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. Yep. At the end of the day, they're getting it at, done. At the end of the day, they're getting it done. No, Phoenix, what? a lot of places getting it done. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these other places getting it done. 
Well, the problem and, is and I, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to make everybody happy. It will be messy, but like it's got to have, we have enough smart people in this town, right? We, we, we do, and I, I would just suggest, so if you think it's cool in Anaheim, if you think it's cool in Phoenix, if you think it's cool in, and just name it wherever it is, where you think there's a kind of a cool development or something that's going on. Sacramento. Albuquerque. Sac- Sacramento. Sacramento. Right? Think it's cool in Sacramento. And Sac- Sacramento, by the way, which was just a shithole, is very cool now. Now it is. The arena helped redevelop that whole <laughs> Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. But so if you think any of that's cool, how fucking cool is San Diego? And so take the next step up. And I don't care what anybody's done in any of these other cities, they're never going to be as cool as San Diego. Yeah. So, but we have to adjust and we have to rise our game. And there are plenty of smart people. There's plenty of money. Yeah. There's plenty of willingness to do it. We need the government to be working with us. We need our city council to be working with us. We need our citizens to be working with us. And I'm not suggesting that it's an automatic vote on you know, subsidy for arenas or for stadiums or whatever. It's all got to make sense. However, it gets very difficult when you're dealing with large public spaces that are owned by the city. Yeah. Because when you, and I think this is part of the problem with Soccer City, is that when you agree that you're going to buy a certain amount of land at a certain price, and at the end people were saying, well, they can get it for $10,000 an acre. There was other arguments. No, they're paying $2.2 million an acre. The bottom line is nobody's ever going to agree. Everybody's always going to agree to disagree. What is that worth? What was done with the arena originally on the 50, 40 acres that we have, it was a long-term ground lease, right? There were revenue bonds by Mr. Breitbart that were pulled out, and ultimately, in the end, those subsidized the bonding. He ended a, up, he a, financed a lot. Financed it. Well, right? Union Oil put up the million and a half dollars for the bonds, and then they were paid up over 30 years. When we took over the arena the last five years, we paid off the last of those bonds. Mm-hmm. But look at it now. Even though we'll get an extension here for the first next couple of years until a new arena gets built, which we have to do for the goals and everybody else, because you're not going to take down an existing arena without a new arena. We've got a hockey team that's doing 350,000 people and an arena that's doing 700,000 people a year and 120 it's- events. So we're doing really well with an existing arena. If you think we're doing well with an existing arena, how do you think I would do with a brand new state of the art arena. Hey, kill it. Absolutely. We're going to do 65 to You're 70 concerts a year. Right. It, it'll be unlike anything else. But I think what you got to understand in the end is that the arena and how we have to think bigger picture and, and going back to Soccer City was the mistake, I think, is when you're dealing with public land and you're trying to assess a value that you're going to buy it for, the NIMBY cave people or whatever, nobody's ever going to be happy. Right. However, and I think Scott Sherman brought it up a long time ago as well, give somebody a 99-year lease on that property, give it to them for a dollar a year and say, by yeah. the way, you're responsible for all the expenses that go with it. What happens in the end, you really can't argue in the end because people go, well, the land's value is this. That. Well, here's a, Do you think the land's value in 100 years is going to be more than it is today? A hell of a lot more. Just you just you just read the thing on the rockets. What is the land value of the current arena right now in 2017 look like versus 50 years ago when Mr. Breitbart yeah. had it? So, at some point, what even the cave people and everybody can say at the end is, we get back. We the people 
the United Republic of San Diego or whatever, yes. we get this property back at some point. We're not going to get screwed by somebody. Somebody didn't pull the rug underneath the valuation, whether that's 1.2, 2.5, or $1.1 million. It's a ground lease. Well, You put all the money into it. You take care of it. And from a developer standpoint, if I've got 99 years, if I've got 70 years, I can go to finance institutions and I can underwrite that like it's fee property. You need like 66 years plus to do that. Yeah. So they'll underwrite it like I own it. Like, you know, Fia Camiso used to be down south of the border. So that's, to me, that's the secret sauce to figure out. Because in the end, even Qualcomm and San Diego State, even long-term with the existing arena, do come some kind of joint venture or something that works for everybody. But have that stay with the city at the end, because nobody will ever agree on what you sell that for. And if you got to go to the votes in the end, cave people will unanimously come out One of the best parts about an arena is the flexibility. And I know you talk about it all the time. And it's the ability to put on so many different types of events. And they're not just sports. They're not just entertainment. They're not just concerts. You put on seminars. You put on educational opportunities. You put on a convention show. You put on trade shows. There's so many different things that can happen in a flexible arena model as opposed to a lot of different other things. I mean, on a micro scale at our restaurant, I don't give a fuck what it, what is on the TV. But we are a sports, we're in entertainment. We put AV, it was one of the most expensive things we did in our build out because we care about that experience, about what people come in for. If someone's going to come in and they're going to watch Formula One and they have enough people that want to watch Formula, I'll pay for Formula One. Yeah, I'll figure it out. If, if Mayweather makes sense for us to pay, play Mayweather McGregor, we're going to do it. It gives us a flexibility to get people into the restaurant so that we can continue to do things in the community and put on events like our charity event where we shut down the street. Like you can't do that stuff if you don't have the facilities. It's other cities, planners, event planners, concerts, big, big time sporting events. They're going to go to other places if they don't have the facilities here it's, in San Diego. It's simple math in the end, really, when you look at it. And this isn't somebody versus somebody else. You can either project and say, here's what might be possible if we really push and say, all right, I got a brand new stadium. It might do San Diego State. It might have MLS. We'll get the Hare Krishna group to come through. We'll maybe get monster trucks. If, if Maybe. So here's 30. Here's 40. Here's maybe 50 dates a year we can do something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's 55. Maybe it's 60. Maybe, maybe, right? Like... It's fucking really simple. A new arena in San Diego is going to do 200 Easy. to 220 events a year. That's Easy. Ridiculous. So if you're a hotel, if you're a restaurant, if you're in retail, if you're an Uber driver, name it. Yeah. Do you want to have 50 dates a year? Or would you rather as a proprietor, and if I got a Cali Comfort right over there, are you, do you think 200 dates better? Right. It's very simple math. And it's not like, oh... It's the difference between here's 190 to 200 events, and if I apply those same maybe maybes, it might be 220, it might be 230, but it's 200 events a year versus 30 or 40, and maybe 50. If you if so you go- it, it's it's a, it's a no brainer in the end. These arenas are the source of sports and entertainment. It serves as like the third phase of the convention center. You'll do 30 to 35 dates a year in combination as the big breakdown. So if a Bill Gates comes to town or whatever, 
they'll do their breakout session where he speaks yeah, to all of the sure. Microsoft employees at that arena for two or three days. And this isn't just like made up stuff like pie in the sky. This no, is this how is it happening. operates. Yeah. All yeah. But even if he didn't have any of that stuff, even if he just did concerts and sports, he got 190 events a year, period. And every one of those nights. Well, you, local, you, have, you, know, the, you have those if the city isn't operating the property. And I mean, it's one of the things I talk about with friends all the time. It's like Qualcomm, Qualcomm isn't run by AEG, no. you know, and when you have a company like AEG or the Han family that knows how to book shows and knows how to run it like a business, I mean, you've been doing it for that long because you understand that it doesn't do you any good if there's nothing, if there's no event, if there's no event on the calendar, no good. Nobody makes any money. If you bring a lacrosse team and they, they need a place to play and you guys have a partnership, great. Now you just added what? 10 home games. Yeah, eleven home games. Let's talk about games. that real quick. Lacrosse. I mean, Joseph. You know, Joe Sai and Sai Sports. It's it's coming in, and Steve Steve Govett that's doing it, um, running the franchise. Going to be awesome. If you haven't seen indoor lacrosse, I mean, if you're a hockey fan, first of all, you're going to love it because it's every bit as exciting as hockey. It's crazy. Fast paced. Fast paced. So exciting. And, and goes crazy. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think they've got bigger picture ideas for this market on potentially doing some different things. We'll see over time. But right now we're concentrating on lacrosse. It's getting fucking big. And, lacrosse is getting and, blown I think, up. and I think they got great coverage when they came into town last week. People heard about it. Uh, they got a lot of people that already put down deposits for season tickets. And yeah, so now the arena is going to do 135 events, 140 events. And now the, cur the and current arena, 50 year old fucking building. Unbelievable. Doing that many events. It's another 10, 12 events. We're going to be able yep. to sell Cali Comfort sell, sell barbecue. And, and, and all the other stuff to people. Right. I still want to give people, even though it's a 50-year-old building, we talk about it all the time, how can I give you a 2017 experience in a building built in 1966? Well, let's, let's talk, make, let's talk the, about that real quick. You make the improvements. You, I mean, when I first started at the arena, I didn't, we didn't have anybody in guest services. Guest services was a guy named Otto Weber, who was the head <laughs> usher. Otto. Otto Weber was the head usher. He'd been there for 25, 30 years, who I trained under when I first started awesome. doing ushering. Right? <laughs> Usher, yeah. Big old guy coming through, and he'd bark out the orders, and this is what it was. And, you know, what, you know what's fucking wrong with your ticket? Yeah. I mean, kind of like, and send you over the advanced ticket window. And that was your expression yeah. session for customer service. And... As we slowly added over time, I'll tell you today, it's not uncommon to have six, eight, or nine guest service representatives at the arena that night. And that's payroll. Simply, that goes back to what we were talking simply about. Simply there to help you in your experience. You know, obstructed view, a problem, somebody cussing behind you, spitting on you, throwing on you, burping on you, whatever it is mm -hmm. that can happen here. Being loud, obnoxious. Um, but you have to have partners you, like Levy Restaurants. That's a concessionaire that actually is flexible enough to be willing to work with Cali Comfort, you know, work with independents, allow them to come in, work with the gulls, work with you to come out. And I mean, you guys were doing Uber Eats delivery to the fucking seats from your phone last year in a 50 year old building. I mean, that that's the, the kind of that's uh, the kind of stuff that's really and, cool and, and cutting pride, edge. And took pride in that. We were the first yes. venue. Uber Eats didn't go, by the way. We'd love to do this with you, but you're 50 years old, so it doesn't work. Right. We got to go with the newer building. We took a lot of pride being the first building to work with Uber Eats on a program like this, like a like a test market program. Yeah. And, and was it perfect? No, no it's but, not perfect. But it was. And, but it gives awesome. It was cool and different. And I think they're back this year. You know, when you start talking about all you know all the stuff that we do with 
Cali Comfort Barbecue and you know and Ballast Point and Anheuser Busch. Let's talk about Anheuser Busch. The the goals come to me the first year and say we want to do this two dollar Bud Light promotion. <laughs> and by the way, you're not going to make any money on those beers yeah. that we sell. But bigger picture, we're going to get more people to come in, more people to understand about the hockey team. Anheuser-Busch will become a partner with the Gulls. They were already a partner with us and have continued that. And so as a partner, we put on a hat and I said, let's go with it. Let's try it. Well, first year we did, uh, I think, $127,002 Bud Light. Wow. And, and into the third night, we couldn't give that experience we wanted. We brought in the whole bud light trailer in there with all the tap handles and people get in line they get their two beers they get in the back of the line they they'd be drinking their beers in the back in the line, line. The front right. yeah they do the rotation <laughs> for like, like an hour pretty soon the guy's got 12 stack cups and he's up there with 12 stack cups grabs another one and, yeah there's and some he, youtube videos of the, the, the and, stacks of the cups and, <laughs> and so about three games into it joey who's now up at StubHub center and, and does such a great job for us with levy um says it's going to cost me a little bit more money. Of course, I wasn't making any money, so it's not costing me any money. <laughs> right. uh, like I need some of that money, but yeah. we weren't thinking about it. But he goes, we're going to do, do it in the can. You know, let's do the can. It's, it's quicker. It's faster. It's a better experience. Everybody knows a canned beer, cold, it ice It prevents cold. the slips when slips. people are, when people are there because it's poured to the top, so they're walking in a cold. Con- product, I don't have to wait on concourse. product that's been yep. sitting there or whatever, sure. so boom. And then we, and so that, that yep. happened. People loved it. Now they get the beer mids and people set up the beer mids that are up on the <laughs> right. East Gate. Um, and what we're going to tie in this year is a promotion where we're going to get local charities that were involved. I mean, the reality is now um, you've got something cool where you got 14 or 15,000 cans of those things that are, that are being purchased that night. Now let's get them all into the recycle bin. Now let's take that six or $700 in recycling and we're getting that. Let's get a different charity involved every sure. night. We do that. The pyramids get the social media, and everybody wins. And in the end, um, you know, there was one hundred and seventy-two thousand, you know, two-dollar Bud Lights that were purchased last year. Yeah, people, nothing... people now are going. The joke is now on those yeah. nights. You know, people went to a two-dollar Bud Light night, and a hockey game broke out. I yep. mean, so it's, it's. There's nothing that frustrates me more than going to a, an event where I'm pay- paying fifteen bucks for a beer. I mean, it's just yeah. like. I get it. I get, you know, what goes on with the premieres and all that stuff. But, man, yeah, it's yeah, a it, fucking nightmare. It, it is. And it's, it's, part, t- it's, it's tough part of the for deal. us. It's really tough as, as restaurant owners to go and work with concessionaires. And, you know, all of our experiences aren't the same as they are with Levy. I mean, yeah. Levy, we have great partnership with them because they're willing to work with us and say, you know, for us, it, it's so important. Hospitality, branding, social media, marketing, like taking care of the It's not just a transaction. Like, I'm not just. I'm not getting fucking popcorn. Like I want great popcorn. I want my wife to be happy when I bring this popcorn back. Like I don't want her to be pissed off at burnt popcorn and smell some burnt popcorn. That was from that was from Ari. Yeah, yeah. You know, burnt popcorn is one of my hot buttons. When you get, you know, I, I know we're running out of time. So in closing, what I would just say, first of all, uh, you know, thanks for having me. Thanks for showing your interest um, in our story. I think in the end, if I had a couple notes. Great people that are really good at what they do. Their job is is kind of one of my mantras. Um, learned initially, I had people that were technically good at their jobs, mm-hmm. but created stress for other people because they went, weren't necessarily great people. Sure. You know, you give me somebody 
that's a five or a six on their actual job ability when they first start. And if I mentor and I teach them the right way, I can get them probably to an eight to a 10, depending on their ability and bandwidth. Um, give me somebody that's a, a, a four or a five as a person. Um, the problem is over time, I might get, get them to a six and then they usually fall back to a five in the end. So um, it's a unique thing, but great people that are really good at their job and it's not easy to find. You got to work harder for it, but that's one of my keys to life now. And, and one of the kind of the fostering that atmosphere, I think that we have now constantly trying to improve on it. We're, we're, we're never too good. We got to get better and better and better. And we have, like I said, we have the perception is reality. I got the perception already people coming in and saying, it's a fucking 50 year old building. So I got to give them something so, different and better. So why, opportunities. why that quote, why the man in the arena? Well, I mean, the man in the arena, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong man stumbles. I mean, it goes through the whole thing. It's um, the person that's inside that's just working hard all the time, right? Working. Blood, the sweat. And it's somebody, it's that's, not, somebody that's not looking for the accolades. You want to make it better. Everybody in this room that's having this conversation right here wants to make San Diego better. No. I don't need any of the accolades. Sean doesn't need the accolades. You don't. It's need not them. about it, us. It's, it's not about I mean, us. That's it's why, so much that's, bigger than that's that. why you it's your fiftieth birth, birthday. You do that for boys to men, and you created a golf tournament to give back because it's not about you. Yeah. It's about all the relationships and all the people that you've met. And we were so lucky to be able to cater that event. Yeah. And well, thank, that's an incredible way, thank organization. Thank you so much for doing that. People were so stoked. And by the way, we raised over $100,000, and I've already had every group that played this last year wants to come back. Uh, we're probably going to have three nine holes oh, that right. are going on. So there was one other. We'll, we'll sell that out. Yeah, of course, yeah. Probably raise more like one hundred and fifty grand next year. More bands. Youth, I mean, more youth, entertainment. Youth mentorship. More, is, more fun. And, it means so much to and us. And so this Boys to Men charity with Joe and Craig that do that, I mean, it's in 25 different schools through San Diego County. We've got 21 other schools that are already on the waiting list. Every 20 grand that we raise, um, we have to open another school. These are most of these are boys don't even have a dad or their dad's in prison or dead or, you know, and, and it's fighting them. Well, keep, they don't have the father figure and, that you had and they yeah. don't have the father figure and grandfather figure that all of us had. I mean, right. you know, my grandfather, like if I didn't have that mentorship, and somebody to say, go to fucking work, yeah. go wash dishes, you know, when you're 12 years old. I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to yeah. ever be in a restaurant. If he hadn't done that, I wouldn't appreciate and love everything that I do every single day. But like, it takes that mentorship and it takes programs like that to help youth. I mean, when we put on our barbecue championships, we partner with organizations and training and they help at risk youth and they do the exact same, you know, like that is exactly what, that's what matters. Yeah. It's what matters in the end. And ultimately leads back to how do you how do you leave things better uh in this city on this earth than 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 it started and it's just a different philosophy and uh if you do the right things um for the right reasons the money will be there in the end you just can't think of it that way so many people think here's what i have to do to make money what's well, that instant uh, gratification that they're trying to get and right it's away. a different it's just a different level but Man, I just love this city. I'm going to keep fighting for this city. I think now I've been doing it for 26 years. Uh, I think definitely I have a voice um, that matters in this city, that people respect, that um, 
that's been vetted through hard work. And my goal now is to continue working hard. I want to see a new arena in San Diego. I'd love to see NBA come to San Diego. I'd love to see a lot of great things continue and, and downtown continue doing what it's doing, what my grandpa started back in the early 80s with Horton Plaza as that probably even gets repurposed now in yep. this next cycle. Right. Um, the rest of East Village get developed. Um, that's what I'm excited about over the next 20 years. And I want to use with my wherewithal and my my business ability to try to make that happen. And it's uh, and in the meantime, we'll just con- we're going to continue to make this existing arena as it gets older, stronger. And I would tell you right now, the experience that you will get at this arena at the Valley View Casino Center is better this year than in any year previous to it just because technology's added to yeah. it you know some of the new food uses have added to it and and i'm proud of that and but we got to just keep our head down keep working harder and and um i think every day when you think of that you know when you, when you put that voicemail on there i think of some <laughs> of the things that bob breitbart told me i think of some of the things that my grandpa told me and my dad and those are the people that inspire me so that as we continue to push and inspire others um, those are the voices in my ear at night. Sometimes the private conversations that I have by myself at night with my grandpa mm-hmm. um, or Bob Breitbart um, or in some of the dreams that I get, um, that's my inspiration. Um, so uh, it's, it's not about me. Um, it's about the team. And, and ultimately, it's, uh, I just want to try to make this place better. And I'm going to continue to push and push until I can't push anymore and and lean on friends like you guys and, and those that get it in the end that we want as part of that team. I know what that team looks like. I know what that new arena looks like. I know what that staff looks like. I know what that what the A team looks like there, the people that do get it. Right. Because San Diego deserves it. I mean, And yeah. I'm just telling you, I, I think it's the best city in the world. But I'm telling you, you get that new arena downtown, and you get something like that going, it will be the best city in the world to a lot of other people. It already is there to me, but we do deserve it. We're going to keep working hard on it. In the meantime, we're going to keep plugging on the existing arena as, as we see it and bring Well, we hope that uh, people year. that listen to this podcast, no matter where you are in the world, when you make your trip to San Diego, hopefully you come out for our barbecue events uh, for Spring Valley. But be sure to follow Valley View Casino Center on uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, and Twitter. Uh, the, the events that Ernie books, I, I, it's just it's unbelievable to have grown up in San Diego and well, there's events have, for everybody have gone too. to McEnroe versus Agassi and going to the circus. You, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. My, a huge tennis family. I, yeah. Oh, my yeah. grandfather, my grandfather and, and they, uh, my yeah, I booked that with Shelly, Shelly Hall, was with Spear Hall. Oh and, yeah. We and, wouldn't and, miss that. And that one, uh, <laughs> and I can't, I can't like watch and I'm a huge U.S. Open. I mean, I love tennis. I still play a lot of tennis. Um, and I've gotten back into tennis a lot, but I was just thinking about this the other day because McEnroe, I'm watching, you know, yes, during, during the absolutely. US Open and all that stuff. Yeah, him and, and his brother. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head because that day, it was the time when McEnroe was going to start coaching yep. Agassi at that time. And they were both fucking bad boys, right? They yep. were bad boys. And we set up this promotion, IMG and all that stuff. And we, we, we sold these three seats that were right next to each one of those players. We actually got it approved through the agency and all That's that kind rad. of stuff. But nobody from the agency happened to tell McEnroe or Agassi that there were going to be three people literally sitting, <laughs> sitting like as close to us. Yeah. So like, you get off, you fucking towel off, and you look over, like, and there's well, three, the ladies going, three ladies going, oh, my God, 
Johnny, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And he's going, what the fuck, fuck what the is fuck? going on here? And so he literally starts cussing out these McEnroe, three. I don't believe it. Starts cussing out these three ladies using the C word oh, and some other shit. Man. They literally are like leaving the court crying. Oh gnarly God. shit. That's hilarious. Goes on that night. Goes on that night. If you remember that night, my old operations manager at the time, and I was an event coordinator at the time. I might have been the business manager, but the operations manager at the time did uh, one of the great faux pas of all, all time. Typically, the hockey teams in town, so this is like 95 or 96, I think, or around there. But the hockey team, or it could have been earlier, but the hockey team, you know, a lot of people understand. The, the hockey floor, the ice stays there during the year. So when we have other concerts, there's a subfloor that goes on top of it which is an insulated, at the time, plywood. Now it's kind of a carbon fiber. But so we change over. We go from hockey to tennis. You know, glass comes out, nets come out, dashboards stay in, but they break in between so people can get to the floor. Subfloor goes on top of the ice. And then what ha- happens typically, subfloor on the top of the ice, then on top of the subfloor, because the, the, the hockey, I mean, ho- tennis is different basketball floor on top of subfloor Jeez. and then tennis mat yeah. on top of, Jesus of basketball. Christ. Well, you need that so you can at least get a decent type of a bounce. Right. Off of, you can't put it right on the ice. Right. For all the apparent reasons. I hopefully I don't have to go into that. But, um, <laughs> and then the subfloor, if you just do it on the subfloor, it's, it's, it's deadened. It's like this old plywood. So you would get funky bounces or you wouldn't get a good bounce at all. So I don't know anything about it that day. I mean, everybody knows this. It's how we've operated before. And I'll just call it the guy that was getting the BJs as in operations. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the practice as, as Agassiz's hitting with McEnroe. Doors aren't open and they're hitting. And like every f- seventh or eighth shot, I'll see a ball coming over as he's ripping a forehand. And it like hits. And, it, and before Agassiz can hit it, it like hits once and does like a half dead bounce just dies and then like rolls at agassiz's feet oh no it's fucking rolling like oh, no. instead of the big bounce jeez and i see his, and, and agassiz's like watching it roll by his feet going what the <laughs> I fuck can't, i can't fucking play here going <laughs> on and i'm sitting there going holy holy shit and i look at mark i go dude what, what's going on he goes I, I don't know i go uh you get subfloor and you get the basketball floor right and this and he goes no, we, di- we didn't have time to put oh, the fuck. basketball floor Get down. serious. I go, you have fucking time to put the basketball floor. I go, are you watching these bounces? He goes, yeah, but it, it's just dead in a couple of areas. I go, uh, it's Mark, tennis. It's tennis. It's <laughs> dead in ball almost has to bounce. all the areas. <laughs> so that night, it's going on, and about every fifth or seventh shot hits. Guy goes and, and, and is whiffing on the ball because he goes, you know, assuming here's the bounce is I'm going to come and hit it, and it's hitting, and it hits – Hits once and just roll. You know, oh he's hitting God. as it's rolling underneath his racket. Christ. And the crowd's kind of laughing and whatever. Agassiz, I'll never forget, gets to one point and he's bouncing the ball to do his serve. And he went to the perfect spot just at this died. one time. And he throws, you know, throws the ball down the bounce and it hits once and goes <laughs> and just sits right there. The crowd kind of laughs. He looks. You're at not it. laughing. He, he looks at. It, he goes to the same spot and he goes like this. Bounces. Does the same thing. He does this like two more times and he goes. And he moves like a foot and gets a bounce. So the end story is between that and what happened, these guys go back. We had to supply the um, 
the housing for them. So we had done a deal with Rancho Bernardo Inn as yeah. one of the partners and sponsors where they gave the room and they got tickets and hospitality. And those guys left town the next day. And the guys at Rancho Bernardo Inn called us and said, we got a little bit of problem. I go, okay, well, what's going on? I said, well, there's about $3,500 of damage done to the room that these guys were staying no in. No way. So they left us with a little calling card on how they felt about it. Now, make no mistake, we paid them like they were each getting Get like $60,000 that night. Both the rooms were fucked up? Yeah, they were up both. They just <laughs> fucking <laughs> trashed like Joe Walsh. So these guys are like Mac tennis rock stars. So the bad boys that just fucked epic. it up. So I've always wanted to see John that since then. Epic. I'll see him at some point. Oh, right. And he'll, he'll say... And I guarantee he'll say, well, dude, that was the most fucked up tennis yeah, event like, ever. You, why'd you so put that's why, that? And I'm going to say, well, you didn't have to fuck up the, the hotel room either. Um, but yeah, that it started with awesome. my ops director, you know, kind that of missing something. Maybe dude, he was, busy he was too busy room. getting a fucking BJ. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, didn't have enough time. And so he didn't last much longer. Like I said, we, we shedded uh, a lot of these people because it was run like so a, the, a play So the important or. lesson is hire, hire better people. Yeah, and he had been with the arena for yeah, a long time, and, and, and we went through it. So it, the key is, in the end, great people. Yep. Great people that are very good at their job. Take Mentor care of them. them. Take help care them, them grow into be. Help them grow into great people. Don't be the smartest pe- person in the room, or if you are the smartest person in the room, don't act like the smartest person. Yeah. Empower people. Teach them. Let them understand how you got to that point. Right. And teach along the way, and the team becomes better. But um, well, love love being here and talking to you guys you. No, so we're, we're you're appreciate it, man. Yeah, huge fan huge fan of that of you have no you have no idea how much that means to us so. for you to come and spend i mean the the kind of schedule you have i mean for you to come out here to spring valley and spend all this time and share these stories of mac and Row and all the all the crazy things that happen down at sports arena but we're, we're so excited about the future um barbecue has given open up so many doors for us and it's so fucking you know exciting. if it wasn't for you know our relationship with I heart and you know, extra sports and it wouldn't, we wouldn't be with the gulls and we wouldn't be with you. And that wouldn't have opened up the door to Del Mar thoroughbred club. And we wouldn't have been putting on a Del Mar barbecue state championship with Craig. So thank you awesome. for everything you do. And uh, we're excited. You. We're excited for the future and anybody that makes it out to San Diego, please be sure to uh, come and check us out. You got to come to a gulls game. Come without a doubt. We're season ticket holders. Me and my wife, so my son, will be there cannot, every game. Cannot wait for Can't the season wait. to start. The whole whole building is literally Ready. all the employees. Everybody, oh. we 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 love hockey, and Hockey's now you know, unreal. And, and of course, indoor soccer and all the years is there, and and now lacrosse starting in eighteen. It's it's exciting. So you can check you can it out. Bury your head, or and just say we we lost the Chargers, or you can say by oh, the no, way, come l- on let me let me get on board with some yeah. of these teams, and let me know. I'm going to come to the arena and I'm going to find out what a real team that really cares oh, about an, their an organization, wants. An organization that embraces yeah. their fans. I mean, they embrace their yeah. fans. Come on out. We'll uh, hit us fun. up, hit us up on DM, let us know. Um, but we'll, uh, we'd love to have you out there and uh, enjoy some uh, Valley View Casino Center time. Thank you, Ernie. Appreciate Thanks, it. Ernie. Thanks, Ernie. Appreciate really it. Appreciate yep. it.